Lake. It is great to be with you today. Why don't you go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout, and you will see that we are launching into a new series uh, for this month. It's called The Circus. Uh, we want to talk about family life, family dynamic. We thought that was a good uh, metaphor for us uh, to uh, kind of begin and, and get some framework around. I don't know what metaphor you think of when you think of family, but um, we thought, you know, circus uh, it might fit in. Um, we just had a child dedication, and so there were all these parents of, you know, really young, newborn, and, and uh, say six months old and under, and if that's where you are, then the circus in your life feels like you've just been shot out of a cannon, right? And, and you are flying, and you're getting no sleep, and you're wondering where you're going to land. And so it's that, kind of that exhaustion circus that you're living right now. Uh, for others of you, you're maybe parents of toddlers. You got a two-year-old, a terrible two. You feel like a lion tamer in your house. That, that's the circus that's going on uh, for you. Maybe you are the parent of a few elementary school kids, and for you, you feel like every trip out of the house feels like that clown car with all kinds of bodies and you know friends and, and animals you didn't even know you owned and, and all this. It's just a kind of a circus there. Um, if you're like me, um, maybe parent of preteen or teenage uh, kiddos, for you, you feel like you're juggling knives because you never know when sort of the puberty thing will go, or they, uh, you know, you'll, you'll just, you know, suddenly you've, you've stepped on a landmine, and you're like, oh, uh, this is not a fun circus at all. <laughs> and then maybe some of you are here, and, and your kids are grown, and they're out of the house, but uh, that doesn't mean the circus ends at all. It just means it changes, because now you've maybe got, you know, the spouses of your children, and you've got grandchildren, and maybe holidays are when the circus comes to town and pitches its tent right in your house, and, and you're dealing with all of that family dynamic. And, and so you just kind of think about that. I, I, you know, in, in my house, I'm sure it's maybe similar to yours, where there's like all sorts of lights and sounds and, and, and smells and, and activity and it's death-defying acts and, and heart-stopping moments and, and, and it's filled with popcorn and elephants. Uh, just kidding about the popcorn. Um, but... You know, the, the thought is, right, that, that there's all of this dynamic happening all the time, and God, it's not accidental that God chose this framework, the, the framework of family, uh, with which to go ahead and, and live life through that lens. And I know that in this room today, in our culture today, there are many, many different sorts and makeups of family talking about blended or single parent or adoptive or biological. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that God's redemptive work can move through to make some beautiful, beautiful things happen in your family dynamic. But wherever you are in your family dynamic, and in fact, maybe you're at sort of the front end, you, you're, maybe you're not married and you don't have kiddos, and, and so you're, you're just sort of looking out. You don't even know if you want to have kiddos after this series. You might never want to have kids. But the, the idea is that even for you, you maybe have just mom and dad or bro and sis, or you've got uh, cousins, or maybe you, you know, you're in the grandkid kind of a phase. Honestly, it doesn't matter what your family looks like. What we're going to be talking about through this series are relational truths, I'm just going to frame these truths in the context of family. 
and how these dynamics work themselves out. And today, if you look at the title of the message, you see what we're talking about is this concept of leading by example. And there's this tightrope walk that if we want to lead by example, we have to address. Now, if you open up the Bible, what you'll find are, are pictures of some families, and they are not altogether encouraging. So I'll just give you three. Uh, Adam and Eve's family, very, very messy. Uh, Jacob's family, very, very messy. David, King David's family, very, very messy. And if you just think about sort of, maybe you don't know their stories, take my word for it, but if you read the scripture, you'll find that they, no, they were in fact very, very messy, messier than we want any of our families to be. And then you could argue, and I would argue, that the reason why their family dynamics were messy was because of the example set by the adults in that family dynamic. So the, the Adam and Eve story, they set an example of disobeying God, and that was transferred, by example, into the DNA of their family. Uh, you got Jacob, right, who set by example, swindled his dad and his brother so that he could have an inheritance, and then what we see is that dynamic going into the second generation in his family. You've got King David, and the example he set was committing adultery and then committing murder to cover up his adultery, and then that brokenness continues into his family dynamic. And, and what inadvertently these adults sort of informed their family members about was that it is okay for you to do whatever is expedient for you to do, regardless of the consequences. And so their family members picked that up, and then it went to the next generation, and there were all sorts of consequences because of that. So what I want to say, I'm going to give you the big idea, and then we'll kind of unpack it and, and, and talk around it a bit. But the big idea this morning is that in your family dynamic, much more is caught than taught. Much more is caught than taught. This is why we have to start with this difficult conversation about leading by example, because more things are caught than are taught in our family dynamics. Another way to, to view this, since we're in Microsoft country, is you are at all times programming the default setting for your family, okay? I know you know what a default is when you, uh, you know, if you, if you buy a PC, the default setting for a browser is Bing. It's programmed. That's the default. If you're in America, you open up the web browser, it's in English. That's the default. Uh, we were in Greece a couple weeks ago. We opened up the, the browser, and, and it was in Greek. Couldn't read it. It was Greek. Greek to me. I had to go to English, right? So default setting, that's just the, the um, their presets determined by the manufacturer they say, this is where, without any outside influence, this is where normal is going to be. And I want you to understand that that is the role that God has given to each and every one of us, that God allows us in his grace to play the role of manufacturer in our family systems. You're the adult, if you are the adult, then God has given you the grace to hopefully listen to him and then to program the default settings of your family. And I wanna tell you that the family life is so complex, there's so many different nuances here. One of the first steps that a therapist might take is they might map out what's called a genogram. 
And it's a diagram that is to help the counselor take a look at a family system and see how events and circumstances affect the family system as a whole. And when I look at that, I'm not at all sure about how to read it, but what it looks like to me is the diagram of the stage set of a circus, right? There's just all sorts of stuff going on. Now, some things about family life are relatively simple. They're relatively intuitive and, and fairly obvious. For example, if you just have a baby and you're just starting this family life thing, the first thing you need to know is how to feed a baby, right? There's a right way to feed a baby and then there's a wrong way to feed a baby. And it's just, it's pretty regular. Or how you introduce your child to their pets. There's a right way to introduce to pets, a wrong way. Uh, even as simple as how to hold your child. There's a right way and a wrong way to do these things, right? But you realize that as you live and as you, uh, as, as you are being yourself in your family dynamic, you're establishing norms. You're establishing normalcy. You're setting the default. And so just like, uh, like in my family, very similar to your family, I'm sure, um, the children in our house wear clothing when they leave the house. That's a norm, right? Uh, there's a norm that mom does these kinds of things and is I I interested in these kinds of things and handles these kind of details, and dad is interested in these kinds of things and tackles these kinds of things. And, 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 and do you see what I'm saying? Those are defaults that in your home, there probably is a norm. The toilet seat is either up or it's down. That's a norm. You've said it. Depending on if there are more boys or girls in the home, uh, that's between you and Jesus. Okay. The, even as simple as what language is spoken in your home, it's a default setting, right? Um, we speak English in our home. We learned it by osmosis. That was the, the default setting. And, and what default means is if nothing outside comes in to change it, it's what all things will revert to. That's default. And so maybe you're here and, and you were born in a different culture, different country. Maybe English wasn't the language that you grew up speaking. But you're here now and maybe you're trying to change the default setting. I applaud you if you are, I know it's a challenge. And, and here's what I wanna say regarding our family systems. It is possible to change your default setting. There's great hope in that. We can all begin today to change the default settings in our family dynamics. But I do want you to know it is easier to program them before you start. It is so much easier. So if you're here and you're not yet married or you're not yet started your family, think about these things. Build these things into your life right now so that you can begin your family system in a healthy way. If you're here today and, and, and you recognize as we talk about some things that there is some, some serious unhealth happening, take heart in this, that you can change the default settings of your home. That God is with you and he wants to help work through you. He wants to give you the power, the strength, the courage to change the default settings in your home. Because it's true in family life as it's true in many other things. Practice doesn't make perfect, but it does make permanent. And so the scripture says this. Many of you are familiar with this verse. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. What's that verse all about? It's about the default. It's about the norms. It's about how it is that we would seek to construct and architect our family dynamics. 
And how you build the family dynamics, how you build your settings is very, very simple. It goes back to the first truth that we talked about. You might wanna write this down. It's how you live. I build the defaults in my home by how I live. It's as simple and it's as difficult as that. Let me give you an example, okay? You value telling the truth. Uh, you, you seek to teach uh, your children and those in your family setting uh, that this is a value that you hold. And when you find maybe your kids not telling the truth, uh, you instill some sort of appropriate consequence for that activity, right? You care about the idea of truth-telling. One day, you're in your kitchen, and you've got your hands full. Maybe you're doing, you know, it's afternoon, you're, you're getting dinner ready, or you're, you're doing dishes, or you're just kind of busy, and, and the phone rings, and your first thought is, I'm going to let it go to voicemail. So you're busy, you got your hands and stuff, you're just not ready to answer the phone. But your young child is trying out their phone talking skills, and so they pick up the phone and they begin the conversation. And um, the next thing you know, uh, they are handing you the phone and saying, you know, mommy, it's a salesperson for you. Daddy, it's for you, right? Well, you didn't want to answer it in the first place. You got your hands full. You're not ready to take a phone call. So you say, uh, not you, I'm just, this is hypothetical. You don't say this. I mean, somebody potentially could say, um, just tell them I'm not here, right? Um, this is church, to so be honest. How many of you have ever avoided the phone with that statement? I have. Oh, I'm the only sinner here? Oh, seriously? <laughs> In one example, I've made the entire room feel guilty. We, we've all kind of, we have a value and we hold a value, but in a, in a moment, what we do is communicate by example something completely contrary to our value. And we communicate that lying is okay if it gets you out of an uncomfortable situation. And, and so you see, right, this is so important. That's why it is so, it's so essential for us to consistently live the values that we find important, the values that God has told us, hey, these things are worth holding on to. So let me just say this in the positive way. If you want your family to be filled with peace, you need to be a model of peace in how you approach them. If you want your family to be filled with grace, then you need to model grace again and again and again. If you want your family to honor Jesus, then you need to honor Jesus with the way that you live your life day in and day out. And I wanna say this is true about any character quality. If you want any quality to be a part of your family system, you must embrace that quality and live it out consistently. There's a phrase in our culture and I know you've heard it, it's the phrase, do as I say, not as I do, right? Do as I say, not as I do. I would love, Overlake, if we make that phrase extinct. The, in fact, I was trying to think, is there ever a time when it's appropriate to say? The only time I can think it's appropriate for me to say that as a dad is when it's bedtime. Because they should go to bed now and I should stay up and hang out with mom. And I think it's appropriate, it's good for your marriages to say, you go to bed now, it's, you do as I say, not as I do, because when you're married later, then you can do as I do, and I hope to do. So, go to bed, right? So, that's the deal. 
And, and, and that's the only time I can think of when do as I say, not as I do, actually is appropriate in the context of parenting. For the very rest of how we approach life, we should model the truths that we hold, okay? So, pretty simple. All I have to do is consistently live out the qualities that I want built into my family, right? No problem. There's only one problem. We all stumble. That's the only problem. We, all of us, right? We, 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 like, you do not have to be perfect to come to church. We talk about this all the time. If you had to be perfect to come to Overlake, this whole room would be empty. I would be here all by myself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm in need of the grace of Christ again and again and again. And, and the scripture is very, very clear. This is true for all of us. Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It's as, as if we've all tried to walk the tightrope of perfection, and we have all fallen off. So knowing that we sin, knowing that we all need the grace of Jesus Christ again and again and again, how is it that we have the courage to even attempt to lead by example? Well, I want to suggest to you that just like a tightrope walker, we need ballast. I don't know if you know what ballast is. Ballast are stabilizing weights. They're anything that serves a primary purpose to give weight or something or to provide additional stability. So I want you to picture what a tightrope walker has. They hold this long pole, right? It's actually called a balance pole, but what it provides is ballast. I don't know if you saw this guy. He walked across the, the uh, Grand Canyon on a cable. Right? He strung a cable across the Grand Canyon, and he held one of those long poles, and he walked across. I don't know if you saw that when it aired. By the way, this guy loves Jesus, which is a good thing because he's not afraid to meet him at any moment. <laughs> right? But you see this idea of a ballast, and in the same way a tightrope walker needs ballast to center him, lower his center of gravity, we need ballast as we walk the tightrope of leading by example in the midst of a recognition that we are not perfect. So I want to talk real quickly about three ballasts that we hold that help us to lead by example. The first is model enjoying and honoring your family members. Model enjoying and honoring your family members. Just have fun together. Look, I, I just want to encourage you, right, that, that, that this is something that you would, um, if you don't feel this now, then pray about it. Seek that you would be the kind of person, you'd be the kind of man or the kind of woman that honestly enjoys your family. That you love being with them, you love being in their presence, that it's just fun, that, that dinners are fun, that, that, that you somehow are able to, even in the midst of like getting ready for school in the morning or, or just handling the chaos of practice schedules and all that, that, that you actually enjoy being with your family. You know, I was thinking, is there anybody in my life that I just knew enjoyed me, that I just, I knew from very, very early on that they just enjoyed me? And you know, it was my grandma and my grandpa. And I just knew, I mean, they, they consistently radiated enjoyment. It was like everything I did was adorable for them, right? And I just, they, they, it's just from early, early on, I just knew, what if you were like that about your family? 
What if that was just radiating out of you? And I, and I want to say this idea of just enjoying one another's presence, it doesn't have to be that you add additional things to your family life. I'm not talking about spending more money. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, d- taking more trips, all that stuff. I mean, maybe that's good and appropriate. I'm just talking about your life, daily life. One of my favorite times in my family life is uh, my oldest two, my daughter's 14, my son's 12, if, if uh, occasionally they miss the bus to school and I drive them to school in the morning. And I want to tell you that that is, it is such a fun time for me. I, I love that time. It's like 15, maybe 20 minutes. And, and in those rides, we have more conversation. We talk about more that's going on in their worlds. They ask deeper questions. Sometimes we're just having fun. Uh, yesterday, no, Friday, I, I was driving. To, they don't have school on Saturday because <laughs> some of them do, but they didn't. And, and, and on Friday, we're going to school, and they start singing this song, which I'm sure you've heard, because I'm happy, right? They're singing that song. So we start making up lyrics to that song. Because I'm snappy, because I'm clappy, because I'm flappy, because I'm crappy. Like, it, like we were just... <laughs> We were having so much fun. We laughed for like eight minutes on the way to school. And, and, and you know, I treasure those times. I love hanging out with, with my family. And, and so I would just encourage you that, that you would pray and seek and, and desire to be the, the kind of man, the kind of woman that just truly enjoys your family relationships. Uh, if you do need to build stuff in, then build it in. For example, my buddy, he says every year, every summer, they take in his family a no-reservations road trip. In other words, they don't set any reservations and they have no itinerary. They just pile all the kids in the car and they take off for adventure. And he said, even my three-year-old is thrilled when we announce it's time for a no-reservations trip she, because of the time together. It's just so much Fun. So the idea of having fun together, and the next part of, of enjoying and honoring your family members is I want to challenge you to respect all the way around, that you would respect all of your family members, that you would honor all of your family members. And the Bible talks about honoring your father and mother. We're going to talk about that in a, in a little bit. I'm talking about father and mother honoring their children. And how you do that, it's really simple, um, Little things like you listen to them when they're communicating to you. You value what it is that they're offering into the family dynamic. Uh, Sometimes your, your kids come to you and they say, Dad, can I help you with that? Mom, can I help you with that? And I know it's easier for you to do it yourself. But you honor them when you create an age-appropriate way for them to contribute to the family dynamic. And I I do mean age-appropriate. You know, if you have an 18-month-old, don't hand them the chainsaw. Like, it has to be sort of well-thought-out, good ways in which you are honoring and valuing what it is that your kids are bringing to the table. Honor your father, mother, honor your children, obviously brothers and sisters, but I would say the most important place that honor needs to be offered is between the spouses. Husband, wife, wives, husbands, that, that there's that honoring and it's a mutual kind of a thing. There is no greater contribution to the security of your child than to see mom and dad on the same page. Hey, we, 
we enjoy one another, we have fun together, we honor one another, each of our ideas are valuable, right? That, that there's, that, there's that respect that's going both ways. And because I know the world that we live in and I know just kind of the, the chaos of living in a fallen world, I also want to say this does not end if you happen to be in a single parent home. That even in a single parent home, the challenge is that you would only say things, you would only communicate in a way that, that is respectful towards the spouse that's not in the home. Right. I know it's a challenge. Right. But let me, let me just say this even clearer. When you, the idea is when you talk bad about your child's mom or your child's dad, when you talk bad about that, when you show disrespect in that setting, you're bringing dishonor to Jesus and you're actually making your child's world less safe. You're shaking that foundation. So the last thing I want to say about this is just remember that if you're running down your child's mom or your dad or your child's dad, then just know you're setting the default for them to do the same to you later on, okay? So the challenge is, right, we just honor one another and we enjoy one another. We show respect all the way around, even in the midst of our very broken and dysfunctional family systems. We just know this. Here's what the scripture says. Parents, don't be hard on your children, right? This encouragement from the Lord, please don't be hard on your children. Enjoy them, honor them, right? Invite them into this vibrant family dynamic. Raise them properly, and then look at the last phrase. Teach them and instruct them about the Lord. This brings us to the next ballast. I wanna challenge you to model spiritual growth both publicly and privately. Model spiritual growth in your own life both publicly and privately. A couple of different ways I want to challenge you to make sure that prayer is a part of your family dynamic. There are a few ways that prayer comes kind of naturally in, that it's, it's kind of natural to build it into your family dynamic. So I'll offer these to you. Uh, in the morning, sort of before people leave the house in the morning, uh, dinner time is a great way to bring prayer in. And the last is bedtime, when you're tucking your kids in in bed. I would challenge you, bring prayer in. You, you might be thinking, I've never done that. I, I wouldn't even know how to start. We haven't built that default in. I would say just start now and just be honest as, as you go after it. If you don't exactly know how to pray, just begin simply. Jesus, thank you for today. Please keep us safe tonight. Would you grow us how you wanna grow us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Just real simple prayer. But I also wanna challenge you not to come up with uh, sort of three phrases that you say again and again and again. I, I know that we're like this. In fact, I, 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 I hesitate to say this, but, uh, but when I was growing up, I, there, were, there were a few prayers that I heard thousands of times. Uh, at the dinner table, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Again and again and again. And I, I just want to say to you, I don't know if that kind of ritual actually communicates well to the next generation. I actually think it creates a counterproductive result. I would challenge you to be in the moment with the Lord and with your child. That you actually are kind of thinking and aware of where they are and where you are, and so you're bringing uh, the reality of the Lord into the very real family dynamic. Does this make sense? Okay, so pray, introduce prayer into your family life. The next thing I wanna encourage you to do is I wanna encourage you to let kids, let your children catch you reading your Bible, praying, 
journaling. Let them catch you serving Jesus and loving outlandishly. Like, let them find you. Let, let them come downstairs in the morning or, you know, out of bed at night and, and let them see you reading the scriptures, right? Because nothing more clearly communicates your default than when you're not expecting them to come in the room, but they come in and they find you and you're with the Lord, Okay. So that's a beautiful thing. Let them find you that, that way. And then the third thing I want to challenge you to do is to make church life a priority for everyone. Church life. And I don't just mean church attendance. I mean the actual body of the Lord, that we are involved with one another. We're growing together. We care about one another. That our relationships in the family of God are important to us. And, and that we pursue those. We look forward to that. And I say this because I want you to understand that everyone in your family dynamic has a hypocrisy radar, and it's going at all times. And, and your children are looking to see, hey, is church life a priority? Is church life negotiable, or is church life a low priority? And if how you live your life and your family dynamic, if anything and everything bumps church off the schedule, then they're picking it up right away. Oh, church life is low priority. So I just want to encourage you that you would live out your faith, that you would honor Jesus, that you would join in with Joshua and be able to say this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That this is who we are, this is our default, these are our values. We want to model spiritual growth both publicly and privately. We want to model honoring and enjoying our family members. And the last fill in here, we want to model pursuing integrity and apologizing when you fail. Model pursuing integrity and apologizing when you fail. I've already shared before that, and if you know me, you know this, that, that by no means am I trying to present myself as a flawless dad or husband or pastor or Christ follower. But I do want you to know that my wife Jody and I, um, we want to, we try to, and we seek to live the character that we want our children to have. But we, we, that's our goal. Now, we do make mistakes, and we, there are stumbles, and, and uh, I don't anticipate that any of us are perfect in how we live in our family dynamics. But I do want to tell you this, that if you mess up, and, and when you mess up, it's not only okay, it's the best thing to apologize. I feel like I have to say that because I know that parenting experts one generation ago would never say that. They would say that it is, it is the worst mistake you could ever make to apologize to your child. That the last thing you could ever do is, is show that chink in the armor that, that, that dad's not perfect or that mom's not perfect. And so you just answer, because I told you so, and that's it. And you never let your child see that, no, you actually are humble and you actually are human and you actually need the Lord's grace in your own life. So I, I would just tell you that offering a heartfelt, humble apology when you've had a misstep is the most beautiful and grace-giving thing that you could do. Because when you confess that you need grace, what you're doing is you're building a family dynamic that says, guess what? Grace is offered in this home. See, the scripture says this. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. 
So because Jesus has forgiven me, I offer grace in my home, and to model the grace that Jesus has offered to me, if I mess up, I'll also ask my family members to forgive me. So let me illustrate this. I'm going to share a dumb story, and uh, it's a true story, mostly true. It happened a, a month or more ago, so I might have gotten some of the details wrong, but this is mostly a true story that happened on a Sunday in my home. I come to Overlake in the morning, preach two services. We went out uh, to lunch with a couple of Overlake families after church and had great conversation and lasted into the afternoon. Came home. Uh, my wife took my son, uh, Caleb, to lacrosse. And so I'm in the house with Alex, my 14-year-old, Doozy, my nine-year-old. And uh, I'm kind of beat at this point. And I, I kind of have to rally because I'm going back to church for the young adult service at seven o'clock. And so I'm just like, what do I need? You know what I need? I need a cat. And so I just, I thought, you know, 20 minutes is all I need. I go to the couch. I grab the little blanket. I pull it up to my cute chin. And I just, I lay on the couch. All I want is 20 minutes. The, my kids are upstairs, so it's, it's going to be good. And, and I drift off four minutes, almost in REM. I hear my son Doozy yell from upstairs, Dad, come quick. There's a spider in the bathroom. Now, remember, I talked about default settings, and the default setting in our home is that dad takes care of the bugs, okay? I, I, don't know, I don't know why, I don't know how that happened, but dad takes care of the bugs. That's the default. I was there. I helped build it. I just don't know why. And so that's, that's the default. I should say one other thing. This is just sort of tangential. We don't kill spiders in our home um, because we hate other bugs worse. So what we do is we trap them and release them out, you know, into the wild so they can continue their hunt, uh, but um, that's sort of the, that's the setting, and, and I'm laying on the couch, and I am just drifting off into sleep, and Doozy, Dad, come quick, there's a spider in the bathroom, and so I, I, I don't even open my eyes, I, I move as little as possible, and I just say, use another bathroom, <laughs> and he says, Dad, I can't, I have to shower, and the spider's right in front of the tub, and I say, Tell your sister to put a cup over it, right? And then I hear her yell down, Dad, I can't. We don't have a cup big enough. Which is ridiculous, obviously. And so I'm like, could you please just take it? I'm trying to leave for just a few moments. Just deal with it, right? I'm just, uh, this is my pastoral moment as a father. And then I hear them both shout something down the stairs, and I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but it sounded like the spider is bigger than the one in Lord of the Rings, and it's gonna, I'm pretty sure it's poisonous, and it's bigger than the bathroom, and like, and so of course I throw the blanket off, and I march upstairs, and I'm like, oh, I, I can't believe, and I, I, I have to take care of the spider, which is smaller than my fingernail, and cuter than Charlotte, and I'm, the whole time, I'm just, I'm steaming and I'm, you know, I can't believe you can't let me have 20, I just wanted 20 minutes, your mother and I, all we do is serve you from morning to night, I can't, not 20 minutes, now I have to go to church, I'm not happy to go to, do you want me to go to church like this, am I a good pastor, you know, like, just the whole thing, just coming out of me, coming out of me, right? And Alex and Doozy were like shocked. I'm not a yeller, and I was a yeller, and you saw how ugly that can be, and, and they're so quiet, 
And they both just said, thanks, Dad. We're really sorry we interrupted your nap. And of course, that just made me feel even more guilty. Right? I said, Ugh. <laughs> Later, my wife comes to me. And she says, hey, I was talking to Alex. And she said she felt like a terrible daughter today. She, she said that she interrupted your nap. She's really sorry about that. She also said that you, you yelled at her and Doozy pretty good. And I just was like, but you don't understand. I mean, I was trying to sleep. It was just like 20 minutes. That's all I wanted. She, the spider was so small and cute. And I can't believe that, you know. And my wife was like, oh, I know. I, I know that you're frustrated. She said, but I just want you to know your kids love you so much and I don't think you're aware of how your anger weighs on them. And I thought, ah, oh, that's, that's not who I want to be. That's, that's not the dynamic I want to build. And so that night, as they were getting in their beds and and I made it home from church safely without any further explosions, you know. I, uh, I spent some extra time tucking them in, and I just crawled into bed with them. You know, first Alex, then Doozy, and, and just, I said, hey. I said, listen, you know I was frustrated, but I, I am really sorry that I yelled at you like that. I said, will you forgive me? That was wrong. And of course, Alex just throws her arms around me. Oh, I forgive you. I love you, Dad. No, I'm serious, Alex. I, that's, that's not how I want our family to be. And she goes, I know. And, and so we just snuggled and talked. We prayed together. And, and in that experience, I got a chance to see the burden that was on her lift. And she got a chance to see a dad who is not perfect, but who values apologizing. And so I, I just want you to understand that we've all tried to walk that tightrope of perfection and each and every one of us have fallen off. And that's why we need grace. But you need to hear me say this. It's, it's God's grace that's always available for us. See, what Jesus says to Paul, it's the same thing that he says to you and to me. What Jesus says is this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Because we're weak, his power can flow through us. See, there's a part of grace that covers our sin and, and covers over our missteps and removes it as far as the east is from the west. And there's a part of grace where the Lord himself comes and his power works in us so that we can actually live the life that he's calling us to live. His grace is sufficient, removing our sin, empowering us to live. I don't know if you've seen these things. There's, they're, they're like these chalkboards you can buy or these uh, sayings that you, can, that you can find, and they're like the values of your family. 
You know, in our home, we value hugs. We, we laugh together. We offer forgiveness. You know, just kind of these things. And, and I, I've seen I've, in, in two different homes uh, recently, I've seen them. My friend, the Hammer's home, I've seen this. I've seen this in that house I was in last week. The idea is that, that these are our value statements. These are the things that we want built into the default of our family. And if you're crafty, if, if you have any kind of that craftsmanship, you know, painting, uh, chalking, whatever, I would encourage you, would you make one for your family? If you're like me, Amazon works good. Just buy it. You know, that's fine. But, but the idea is it's great to have even a visual to remind you again and again and again, these are the settings that we want as we walk this tightrope. Because friends, I, I want to encourage you to walk that tightrope, that you would, you would find courage and strength to walk the tightrope of leading by example. Not perfection, but example. Because I want you to be able to say, just like the Apostle Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So why don't we pray that right now? And Jesus, you know that that is our heart, that we would be able, that we would be able to follow your example so closely, that we would be able to pursue you so earnestly that the, the very DNA of our family structures would be one that honors you and that glorifies your name. And, and so Jesus, we ask now that you would come, that your grace would be sufficient in our weakness, that your power would flow through, and that you would make health happen in all of our family dynamics. Lord, I was thinking in the last service, I feel the same in this service, that some of us right now are thinking of a, a particular dysfunction, a, a specific family member where the relationship is broken. Would you come there? Would you move there? Would you, would you bring, Lord, your restoration? Would you bring um, a rejuvenation of love? Would you restore that relationship? And would you allow health to flow through that family? And we pray this knowing that you hear our prayers, Spirit, that you're working right now within them. I pray that there's a next step, that each one of us could take a next step to, to put into place these ballasts so that we could walk this tightrope of leading by example. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.